0: And remember, quoting is for the weak. This is the Millionaire Insurance Producer Podcast. Well, hello there, Permission Nation. My name is Charles Specht. I am the President and CEO of Permission Sales and your host here of the Millionaire Insurance Producer Podcast. It is great to have you with us today. And like always, we typically hop right into the topic But before that, I just want to tell you that we're going to have a little bit of a change here going forward in 2022. I want to start also doing some some interviews, actually having conversations with people on the podcast here that are going to be focused and devoted around sales tactics, um, how to get the broker record letter, how to win, things you can do to get your competition fired, and so forth. So if you are an insurance producer... I would love for you to reach out to me and let me know you want to be on the podcast. Send me an email at charles at, permissiongroup.com, charles at permissiongroup.com. and we'll see whether or not we can get you onto the podcast. So anyway, with that said, we're going to jump right into this topic, and guess what it's going to be about? Well, you've already probably looked at the title, so you know. It's going to be the ABCs of the BOR the abc's of the bor that is the abc's of the broker of record letter how to win broker of record letters that's what this one is going to be all about and frankly a lot of the topics going forward are going to be centered around this particular issue because well you ever like eat chinese food or you know you you get like a chinese fortune cookie or something like that And maybe it might say like, oh, this is the year of the rat or the year of the tiger or the year of whatever. Well, you know what 2022 is? It's the year of the BOR. I really believe that the insurance industry is turning a corner and we're going to be accelerating towards a particular direction. And we're going to be seeing a lot more just things in the news, if you will, a change in the insurance industry around the broker record letter. And I want to kind of talk about some of these issues because I think some of them are good and some of them are bad. But we want to talk about the broker of record letter because if you don't win signed broker of record letters, then that means you have to go through a quoting process. And going through a quoting process is not necessarily the best thing in your interest because the incumbent broker is going to keep that business on average 92% of the time. So you've got an 8% shot at winning the business through a normal quoting competitive renewal situation. The broker of record letter is a much smarter way in which to go about getting the business. But we're going to talk about these things because there are plenty of times when the broker of record letter is not in your best interest. So let's think about this. You know, there are, there are lots of different people who might say that the broker of record letter is unethical. Hmm. There are others who say that there's nothing wrong with the broker of record letter. Who's right? Well, I would tell you that with regards to the broker of record letter or the agent of record letter, whatever you call it, depending upon where you're at in the, uh, the United States of America or even beyond, it is that it's not the insurance agent's tool, if you will. It's the insured's tool. The broker of record letter is not something that, that we talk about or that we wield. It is not to be a hammer in your hand and you beat the insurance buyer, your prospect, into submission until they finally sign that thing. No, the broker of record letter isn't a hammer, it's a samurai sword, and it is sheathed by the insured, and they will cut off the incumbent's head if the incumbent doesn't do what they're supposed to be doing. It is not a hammer to bash, it is a sword to sever. That's what I mean. It is the insured's tool. It is their weapon. And it is there to ensure proper service by the incumbent agent. And if the incumbent agent does not do a good job or is no longer the better choice for the insured going forward, they can unsheathe that sword and sever the head from the insured, the incumbent agent. Not literally, right? Figuratively. Just to remove that agency from being the broker on the policies and then allowing a new agent to come in. Again, it's not something that is the insurance agent's tool. It is the insurance tool to ensure proper service. So I would tell you that there has to be kind of a, a different sort of mentality in the insurance space for us to go around the corner fully in regards to the broker of record letter. We have to get underwriters and sales reps and executives at insurance carriers to understand the power of the broker of record letter. We have to get them to realize that it is the insurance tool, not the insurance agent we have to under we have to get them to understand that the insured, their policyholder, has to have the ability to be able to choose an agent. If I can put it this way, very often it's not the horse that is the problem; it is the jockey, and it is not the insurance carrier that is necessarily the po- the problem; it is the insurance agent. If I also think about it from this perspective, is that there are lots and lots and lots of insurance carriers that are out there. Some of them might not be all that great, depending upon what type of business they're going after. But frankly, most insurance carriers do a pretty good job at what they do. You know, they've gone through the whole process of, you know, checking out the numbers and the underwriting and, and doing the actuarial review. They've been checking out the law of large numbers. They determine their rates based upon what they feel they need to charge and based upon their own expenses and so forth. They put together their policy language and then they just start advertising, if you will, to insurance agents. They, they usually do a pretty good job. And so there are definitely some times when maybe one insurance carrier offers a significantly better policy than another insurance carrier. And then by policy, I mean terms and coverages. Okay. But for the most part, usually there's not that big of a difference. There's usually not that big of a difference when it comes to coverages across the board. Again, there are certainly times when there, there might be and could be, and certainly there is, but that's usually not the norm. Usually, when an insurance carrier wants to write a business, they provide coverage for the exposures of that business. Not too many carriers are advertising to write something when they willingly know they're going to exclude 30, 40, you know, 90% of the insured's exposures. That just does not normally happen. So, with that said, is where I'm going with this is that when the insured bound coverage on a plan or a policy, so it doesn't matter if it's PNC or employee health benefits, but when they bound coverage for whatever they went with, it's likely that they chose a pretty decent carrier this last last renewal. And it's not necessarily in the insured's best interest to make a switch at renewal. It might be in the best interest of the competing agents for them to make a switch. I would certainly think that if you were competing on the business, you would think that is in their best interest to make that switch, but I'm not necessarily sure. I also feel that that would be quasi-unethical. If they were simply just making a horizontal switch from one carrier to another carrier, from one agent to another agent, I actually feel that that's fairly quasi-unethical, not necessarily in the insured's best interest. What is in the insured's best interest is to gain a reputation with the marketplace that they don't flip around every single year and leave for pennies. In fact, even if you were bringing in a carrier that might have a little bit of better coverage from limits or coverage, whatever it is, or maybe even was saving them a few pennies, a few dimes, a few dollars on their insurance premium— to make the switch from one carrier to another, again, might not be in the insured's best interest, especially if, for example, the insured had a claim or two and the carrier did a really good job of getting that claim closed out, getting the reserves lowered and closed quickly as possible so that the it's not going to hurt them on renewal or, if it's workers' compensation related, impact their experience modification factor. And so I don't think that it is in necessarily the insurer's best interest for them to make a horizontal move to a different carrier and a different agent if the first carrier has been doing a decent or really good job. So you have to make a decision. And I would tell you that if an insurance buyer is willing to meet with you, that on average, again, I don't have a survey done or I haven't done any kind of like, you know, um, any surveys or polls out there in regards to this. But I would tell you that about 15% of insurance buyers would hire you immediately, sign your broker of record letter in the very first appointment that you meet with them if they knew the broker of record letter was an option. But most of them don't know that it is an option. Most of them have no idea how insurance works. They don't know how it's priced. They don't know how it's quoted. They don't know what it covers, what it doesn't cover, what excludes. They don't know how endorsements are processed or anything like that. They don't know how insurance works. And therefore, they don't know how broker of record letters work. Let me just tell you, insurance agents don't know how broker of record letters work. Insurance carriers don't know how they should be handling these things. It is not something that anybody really goes around and you know, talks about with transparency. Because I would also venture to guess that you, as an insurance agent, you probably never go to your current clients with a blank broker of record letter and say, you know what, if you end up don't liking me you know, or my team during the year, we drop the ball, do a bad job, whatever, you can sign this piece of paper and give it to a different agent you can fire me. I would suspect that oh, 99% of the time you never do anything like that. And the insurance carrier who has the plan or the policy will never send notification to their policyholders. Here is a blank broker of record letter. If you know Joe Smith isn't doing a good job servicing your policy, sign this and we'll help you find a new agent. They don't do that for their policyholders. So then the only way that an insured would ever find out about the broker of record letter and that it even exists is if an insurance agent who was competing came in, began to explain it, and did it from a very ethical, transparent position. But I can also tell you that most agents don't ever mention the broker of record letter. They don't talk about it. Therefore, most insurance buyers don't know anything about it. And unfortunately, one of the reasons why broker of record letters might have a bad rap is because there are some unethical insurance agents out there frankly just do a bad job with it. They wield it like it's their hammer and they're beating the insured and not necessarily telling the the insured things that are true. That's not That's not a poor reputation for the broker of record letter. That is reasoning why such insurance agents like that should be disbarred, if you will. They should have their insurance license revoked, removed. They should not be allowed to sell or transact insurance any longer. So with that said, around 10% of the insurance buyers you meet with in that first appointment are unhappy, dissatisfied, not loyal to the current agent because the current agent hasn't done anything for them. They would sign the broker of record letter if they see that you are um, an upgrade. Question is, are you an upgrade? If you're not an upgrade, get with the program. This is war. You need to be an upgrade. You need to be not just an upgrade. You need to be so much better than the competition. Not simply out here looking like everybody else, but distinctly different, better, better, Not just merely an upgrade, but the superior option of which agent that insured should be doing business with. If you come across as a generalist, do not expect to be seen as an upgrade. Expect to be looked at like everybody else. So that was my little rant for the moment. I hope you will forgive me as we move on. But 15% will buy it, or rather they'll sign it that first time. Now, I would also tell you that there's a lot of insurance buyers out there who aren't going to sign it the first time, but they might sign it the second time you meet with them, or maybe the third, or the fourth. It might be that they just want to get to know you a little bit more. They're not yet comfortable with you. Maybe they want to check your references, um, talk to one of your clients, go through a particular service that you have to offer. You know, if if you ask for the broker of record letter too soon, it almost feels like you ask somebody to marry them 30 minutes after you've met them. That would be weird. Super creepy to ask somebody to marry you after you've only met them for 30 minutes. Well, to ask for the broker of record letter without them going through the entire process of uncovering the pains, the problems, the frustrations, talking about your 12-month timeline of services, and then talking about why you would be the better choice, it comes across as mm, creepy. So I would say, like for myself, as a business owner, if I owned a company, a construction company, a furniture store, or whatever it was, I don't care how much I didn't like my current agent, I would not sign your broker record letter for you on the first appointment. I'm the kind of person that would sign it on the second appointment or the third. I would want to get to know you just a little bit. I would want to kind of hear about what you have to say and think about it a little bit and sort of mull it over in my mind. Maybe make a call to you know, one of your happy clients to find out, you know, really, is John Smith going to follow through on what he said? Can he actually deliver on the promises that he's telling me? I would make the switch. I would actually sign it. I'm just not going to do it on the first one. So with that said, as I mentioned, there's probably about 15% who are just like frustrated. They want to make that switch. They will sign your BOR on that first meeting. But there's also a very large percentage of people who will sign it on the second meeting or the third or the fourth and so forth. And so with that said, I guess what I'm saying here is that there's actually a very large percentage of people that you meet with during your appointments who will sign your broker record letter and you don't even have to go through a normal competitive bid renewal process. Are you a local insurance agent struggling to find markets for your clients? Look no further than Nationwide Brokerage Solutions. But here's also a truism, not just in the world, but in sales specifically, is that you do not receive if you do not ask. If you do not ask, you do not receive. If you ask, you will receive. You get what you ask for. And so essentially, what I'm saying here is that if you don't ask for the broker of record letter, The insured, because they don't really understand it, they're not going to offer up anything like, hey, do you have a piece of paper I can sign? Give you over my insurance. Like They don't come up with it. And so if you don't ask for it, you are certainly not going to get it. But you better start asking for it. This is the ABCs of the BOR. This is how you can completely change and revolutionize your entire career this next year if you actually go through this process. I mean, look, I actually have... A decent number of paying clients that I work with. Okay. I also have, which is so exciting to me. I have, I'll just give you an example of yesterday. Yesterday, a listener to this podcast, you know, as we were kind of like just conversing on LinkedIn, he, um, I believe it was LinkedIn, or maybe it was an email, I can't remember, but let me know that he'd been listening to the podcast now for about four or five months. And he said so far he's gotten five broker of record letters. Five new clients by a broker of record letter. And he said, normally he would have just gone through the quoting process and tried to win the accounts that way by you know, trying to get quotes and so forth. Well, it's completely like changed how he actually does his overall insurance business. And so it's changed everything. And he's not even my client, which is awesome. You should send me a gift card or something. Come on, man. But hey, you know what? This is what we're doing here. We're here to provide transparent, ethical advice that's going to make you rock your commission check. That's the ultimate goal here, to win without quoting, to win through a signed broker of record letter. So the opportunity's there, but you won't get what you don't ask for, period. You won't get what you won't ask for. You know what? I think I probably just need to say this for the rest of the the rest of the podcast episode, and maybe it will actually go through the ears and stick around in our heads. You need to ask for the broker record letter. You need to ask for the broker record letter. You need to ask for the broker record letter. Okay, I'm not going to say it the rest of the uh, the episode. That would be weird. Again, creepy. We don't want to be creepy. But we're talking about the ABCs of the BOR, and frankly, first and foremost, you will not receive if you do not ask. And if you ask, you are much more likely to receive. Which also is another thing just to remember, because the insured doesn't understand insurance, they don't know what is expected of them. They just assume they have to go through a quoting process because they don't know that there's another option. So we have to hold their hand and take them down the path that we want them to go. These are the ABCs of the BOR. Now with that said, there's also a lot of other things that you can do to put yourself in a much stronger position in order to win the broker record letter. And I would tell you that it comes down to micro niching. Micro niche, not macro niche, not generalist, not I can write a little bit of everything, not I go after 17 different things. No, nope. micro niche. That is, become the best at one thing. Become the best at something. One thing in particular. Whatever it is. It might be a particular, a specific industry. It might be that you're going after a particular line of insurance. It might be that you are going after a major problem that industry tends to have. Whatever it is. Become known for something. Get a reputation. Get known for one thing in particular. Because... Those insurance agents who micro niche, who go after some kind of very particular business, they are the ones who get more signed broker of record letters than anybody else. Literally, hands down. There are so many different businesses out there today. Can I just tell you that today I had a Zoom call with a company that makes high-end luxury tree houses around the United States of America. These high-end luxury tree houses look like they cost a pretty penny. Let me just tell you. This particular account is trying to thinking about hiring me to help them with their risk management, loss control, to manage their insurance, you know, program and their insurance agent and so forth. Um, they just need some, they need somebody to give them independent advice and counsel. Look, there's no shortage of accounts out there where you could specialize in something. Um, why not be the treehouse expert? out there in the industry. I'm just telling you, there's got to be a bunch of them. I mean, I don't know if there's hundreds or thousands, but maybe there's 20, and you could write them all. I mean, you could do a lot of different things. But those insurance producers who are micro-niched, who focus and specialize in one thing, there are a few things that they get. One, they get more broker-of-record letters than those who are not micro-niched. They get more broker-of-record letters than a generalist agent. They just do. They get more broker record letters and it's easier for them to get it because the insured sees you as the obvious choice. Also, those who are specialized in a micro niche, they tend to win more clients in a year than those who are generalist. And they're also typically able to write larger revenue generating accounts than a generalist. So you make more money, you get more clients and you win more signed broker record letters. You don't have to go through quoting process as much. You just win business. It's a beautiful thing. Want to get more sign broker of record letters? Go bigger while also going narrow. Think big, go narrow. right? Think big, micro niche. You will then win a significant number of clients more quickly, bigger clients, and you will get more sign broker of record letters. So all of these things you know, really start to just come down to, what are the ABCs of the BOR? When you are also meeting with a prospect, You have to have solutions to their problems. If you have written, strategic, objective solutions, services to their problems, you're much more likely to get a signed broker of record letter. Provide no sort of written documentation that shows specifics on what it is that you do and how it helps the insured. I mean, if you don't provide those, well, don't expect to get many broker of record letters. There's no reason why the insured should choose you. You look like an amateur. But those insurance agents who do what I call 12X, or that is, part of it is providing a timeline of services, those insurance agents are the ones who get more signed broker record letters. In fact, my clients over the course of years now have told me that they get more signed broker record letters because of the 12-month timeline of services than anything else. Period. Hands down. It is the sharpest tool that's going to be in the shed. Best arrow you've got in your quiver, 12-month time on services. Man, I wonder how many of you still haven't gotten around to that one. Been telling yourself, yep, I need to do that. One of the things I'm going to be doing in 2022, even as my LinkedIn course is, you know, by the time you guys listen to this one, it'll already have been closed. You know, if you haven't purchased it, you know, tough luck. I don't know what to tell you. You wasted time. I may open it up again sometime later in the year, but I'm not sure. Um, but you missed out if you didn't. If you did, man, you're going to be rocking it and killing it in 2022 and going forward. However, what I'm going to be doing is kind of creating little mini courses that don't cost a lot, but each little mini course is going to be you know, answering about a particular issue, such as how to put together a 12-month timeline of services. I have it as part of my larger uh, Millionaire Insurance Producer digital course, which you can go online and you can purchase it. It's $497.00. And it really kind of teaches the broker record letter process from start to finish. Um, just had another agent this morning buy it. And it's really helpful. But there's actually just like little parts to the entire sales process from start to finish that insurance agents don't understand. I want to be able to help you. I want to be able to give you what you need. Everybody's in a different position. Some people are really good at one thing. Some people aren't as good at another. And so figuring out the 12-month time services, of services, I, just, I want to get that into your hands. So I'm going to be doing a training on that to give it to you guys. But I just know that if you have a 12-month time of services, you can dominate in your micro niche. Flat out, literally, dominate. Lower the boom. Win more business. Take those commission checks to the bank. Deposit. Win more clients. Build your book of business to a million dollars or more. There are differences between those agents who are generalists and those agents who are specialists. There are differences between... Those insurance agents who are advisors versus those insurance agents who are producers. I always kind of refer to insurance agents as producers. And I think that's just because, man, I'm just, I'm just old. I'm older than maybe many of you guys. I mean, I'm not super old. Um, I'm 47. But I'm not 37. And I'm not 27. But I remember when I first got into the business, nobody was called advisors. You were called an insurance agent or a broker or a producer. Most people were called producers. You know what producers do? Well, guess what? Producers produce. That means they sell. And so when I think of an insurance producer, I think of somebody who's out there trying to sell. I like the idea of an insurance advisor. Because an advisor actually helps people. An advisor actually begins to break down coverages and nuances and explains to an insured what they would do um, if they were making the decision. What are the pros, the cons, the negatives, the pluses, right? You're advising your prospect or your client on what they should be doing. So I like the whole idea of it. And I think that it's important to be using the idea or title advisor so far as it is insurance buyer-facing. But at the end of the day... You know, from an agency standpoint, you know, produce or get fired. Period. I mean, it comes down to it. You either like show me some results or you have to go. Those are the options that you have. And so it's going to depend upon who you're trying to actually, you know, connect with, if you will. You're trying to connect with the agency principal and make sure they understand why you should be sticking around or, you know, your prospect. But you know what? Advisors get more signed broker of record letters than producers. Advisors are the ones that are seen by their prospects, and clients as somebody who gets them, understands them. A producer sells, an advisor actually wins more often. And if there's one other thing that I can sort of include here in regards to the ABCs of the broker of record letter, it's that when you're micro-niching, when you're putting together your timeline of services, when you are using your script, your cold call carrot, you're doing your cold calling, you're emailing, you're texting, you're using LinkedIn, whatever it is, when you're going to networking events, when you are talking to people about referrals and centers of influence, whatever it is, your entire brand needs to be focused on what the micro niche is. In other words, if you were going after roofing contractors, you need to come across to the insured as somebody who's in the roofing business who just happens to have a specialization in insurance and safety for roofing. Not just like another insurance agent who can write roofing, roofers, right? You need to come across as somebody who's been in the roofing business for the last eleven years, and you've put together you know the roof pack, which helps roofing contractors with their fall and prevention program, um, and you also can place the insurance for a roofer. Right? So you come across as somebody who's in the roofing industry, not merely just another insurance agent who writes construction or contractors or who can write a roofer. Big difference. Big difference in how the insured perceives you. Therefore, big difference on whether or not you get signed broker of record letters or you have to go through a quoting process. So these are all kind of the basics on the ABCs of what you need to do in order to get some more signed broker of record letters. We're going to be going through a lot more in the future, and we're going to be breaking those down sort of you know, piece by piece, step by step. But at the end of the day, if you can't get your competition fired, you will never get hired. And the broker of record letter is the fastest, smartest, most ethical approach to building a $1 million or more book of business. My name is Charles Specht. I'm the president and CEO of Permission Sales, where, guess what? I teach insurance agents how to build a $1 million or more book of business through signed broker of record letters. This
1: is the Millionaire Insurance Producer Podcast. Hey, agents, listen to this. Listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it. Think of it.